here's something that I've realized recently. I've got a huge collection of footage of matches of mine that are not online. And to be fair, there's no reason why they're not online. So I decided to put them online. On my YouTube channel on Sundays, every week on Sundays, I'm going to post one free match involving David Francisco from the last five, six years at some point. Last Sunday, I shared the match where I uh, showed how strong my neck was on Instagram a few weeks ago on stories, if you happen to catch that. It was me versus James Castle. And this Sunday, I'm going to put another one. Next Sunday, I'm going to put another one and so on and so forth. If you want to make sure you have that match available to you as soon as it's out there, then the best thing to do is to subscribe to my YouTube channel, maybe even uh, turn the notifications on. YouTube.com slash DeFrancisco underscore one. Hello and welcome to the David Francisco podcast. I hope you're doing great. It's great to have you here today. A catch up with RJ Singh here on the podcast is uh, one of the most experienced and one of the greatest wrestlers we have here in the UK. I've had the opportunity to share the locker room with him a lot and uh, we talk a bit about just a little bit of his history in wrestling. We talk about uh, how he uh, brings the life of a wrestler and of a head teacher together and the challenges in that. We talk a little bit about how he's spending his, um, his lockdown time we talk about a place where we've both been very happy. Um, what a promotion in particular that I was very excited about wrestling for. And that he is the, dare I say, king of. And uh, much more here on this podcast. Uh, we start with a controversial topic. Um, there, there's, a, there's something that him and I see very, very different. And then that's where we start. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, might as well just throw you into the conversation. It's a great catch-up with RJ Singh here on the David Francisco Podcast. RJ, I remember a conversation we had um, a few years ago on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, <laughs> and uh, this this is something that's really important to you, and I think it's important for us to, to discuss this here live for everyone to hear. Um, oh God, I'm terrified it's, it's now. Big... I'm terrified what you're going to ask me. <laughs> it's a big, uh, a big issue of our society and a big division between you and me, which is basically the importance and and how, basically how good Christmas is, right? You ah. love Christmas, right? And I know we're in August, but bear with me here. Like there's thunderstorm outside, so it, it feels like winter. <laughs> you love Christmas, um, and and I'm a humbug. If that's how you say it. Yeah, right? you're 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 a true Grinch. <laughs> what a, uh, why is Christmas so special? You know what? I, I, it's just one of those things. I think like I think things. I'm, I'm I'm quite a big fan of like holidays and stuff like that, and like kind of seasonal celebrations, right? So like I'm a massive fan of Halloween as well. So like when Halloween rolls around, like I, I get really excited for Halloween. Um, like, I decorate my house, the front of my house for Halloween, and you know um, I'm kind of looking forward to the next couple of years when my daughter kind of gets old enough to go around doing like trick or treating and stuff, and both gets dressed up. And so that that that's great. But um, no, Christmas, I mean, I just love Christmas. I think it, it comes from like my childhood. I always had like um, quite happy Christmases. Like I remember re Christmas really fondly as a child with my, uh, growing up with my um, with my family. So I've, I've always kind of loved Christmas. I always, I always like Christmas as well, especially, especially when you're a little kid in school. 
because things kind of begin to relax at school. So like school becomes this quite fun place <laughs> around the Christmas time. You get to do like the Christmas plays and you get to make Christmas cards. And um, I'm sure most kids will remember at some point their teacher wheeled in the TV to watch a movie for one morning. Um, you know, so it, it's stuff like that. And uh, yeah, no, I just I just think it's a really it's, <laughs> I'm going to I think I'm going to quote lyrics here. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Sorry, good night. And it's been made like really special, obviously, in the, like the last two years since my daughter's been born. Uh, she just turned two the other day, so we've had uh, we've had uh, two Christmases already with her. We'll have a third Christmas with her this year. So that's that's you know it's amazing. So yeah, I'm I'm to- I'm all in when it comes to Christmas. I I'm totally in. I've got like, I think I own about ten different Christmas jumpers and about twelve different Christmas T-shirts and things like that. So. Uh, Quite unashamedly, a Christmas person. Twelve t- uh, Christmas T-shirts, you say? Yeah, I guess you can like wear that. one for each day. Absolutely, that, that, that is the plan. Like you, you know, a different Christmas outfit for each day of Christmas. So. I um, I think like once obviously um, you're very open about like obviously you have your daughter you're also um, a school teacher I presume that all these celebrations and all these special times they they get more and more interesting because of all of this right there's it, like it hits you in so many fronts in your life that it, you just can't help but celebrate and and, and be good with it right especially oh, yeah, with this dead with with jasmine just became even more special right yeah absolutely i mean it's you know it's it's just the, the excitement we had for like her first christmas was was just tremendous because um it was kind of the first christmas the, the three of us you know as a three which was really fantastic and then obviously that whole seeing family and we've obviously got the new addition uh, to the family, so going to the family on those days was really special. Uh, but yeah, but working in a school as well, it's it's just incredible because obviously you know you do a lot of those sort of celebrations with the children. You go, you know, you visit the church, you do the Christmas story, uh, and all those as well. So you can't really escape it in in kind of in my life really having having a small child and working with children as well. You can't escape those kind of celebrations. So um, I think I would struggle if I was a, if I was a humbug like you. I think I'd really struggle in those situations. Well, um, it's 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 really. Um, I, I think I think it's important for me to start saying that I don't have anything against Christmas directly, right? I'm not one of those people that wishes that Christmas wasn't there. And to be fair, at the same time, I don't have like bad um, memories from it. You know, um, Christmas fine. It's just like. Don't hit me in the face about how special um, a time is supposed to be. At the same time that you're using that good sentiment to try and infiltrate um, stuff like commercialism, if I can call it that way, you know, and turn something, you know, like basically ride the wave of uh, a good a good thing and a good time and a good feeling that people are having towards uh, your business, right? In a way, there's a weird parallel that can be, can be done here, but it's like uh, brands during Pride Month, right? Where it's like, are they really doing it because they support the values or are they doing it because it's good for business? You know, it's very, um, I don't know if I always feel very like, don't know where I stand with it uh, when it comes to Christmas, because it's like, Oh, and, and, and the num- I think the number one thing though is stop telling me to be happy. You know what I mean? Like the, the corporate, the corporate spirits behind um, like that happens at Christmas, for example, the thing about like the jumper day and stuff and, it should be okay for you not to do it, right? Because it would be what makes you happy or maybe what makes you relax or whatever. But you you have to, right? You're supposed to be feeling a certain way. Force yourself into feeling a certain way instead of just naturally letting it happen. I don't know. 
maybe I'm overthinking it. Me, nah, never. <laughs> it just it just feels very very weird. But lately it's been better, you know. Lately I've been relaxing on that a bit more, um, and I've been feeling better and a bit more accepted about um, about Christmas. But I think it's because I'm an adult and I'm a bit, I'm a bit more in control of it now, so I can can kind of like choose how I celebrate and celebrate it my way. It's weird. Yeah, I'm so, sorry, mate. I lost you. Though. I was singing White Christmas in my head the whole time you were talking. So you know. I'm not <laughs> <you> <laughs> Is there any? Um, obviously, well, how, how long have you been? How long have you been wrestling? Uh, oh gosh, it's, uh, this year. But when we get to November this year, will be. Uh, it's terrible, my maths is. Uh, Nineteen years by the time we get to November. Yeah, Nineteen. November, November two thousand one was when I had my debut. Yeah. So, I've always like I've yeah. been here for uh, five years and I've been exposed to British wrestling for let's say like six seven. Um, you know a lot of it before me. Has there been any like tradition from either Christmas or any other like time of the year that used to happen a lot and it's been lost, right? And I'm, my first thing is like gimmick battle royals and Halloween. Was that a thing in this country? Oh yeah, I think you know I think I think because obviously you know a lot of a lot of what we do also kind of gets you know we, we especially sort of for a long time we were uh, replicating things that was going on in the US as well. So like WCW always had Halloween Havoc, didn't they? They had the Halloween, Halloween Havoc pay-per-view, um, uh, which was always always stood out to me as a really memorable pay-per-view because obviously they did it Halloween themed and things like that. Um, and they did that skit where like Derek Bishop was a vampire or, or, or they did some sort of creepy house thing with Tony Schiavone. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, um, I mean, I've I've done one. I've done a couple of those myself. To be honest, I've done I've done a Halloween Havoc match, uh, which was essentially like a, a kind of a hardcore match, but using Halloween decorations. Uh, instead, I've done a Christmas Chaos match, which was exactly the same kind of match, just using Christmas decorations. Um, so yeah, you get and you get you know even back when I started, there was like Christmas Chaos, you know, um, and you know a night to dismember those sort of teams. <laughs> event so uh, which i think was also an ecw i want to say that's an ecw there's definitely been one of those you know uh season's beatings uh swa season's beatings is a classic season's beatings yeah that was an swa event as well so yeah so i mean ever since i've been in wrestling there's always been this you know there's been a theme of uh this kind of holiday you know spring summer halloween christmas day you know those kind of seasonal stuff always comes into wrestling I I've done a Christmas chaos match. Um, I didn't know it was a, a tradition per se, but I remember um, at uh, the la the last battle pro show in Chatham, it was myself and um, JJ Lynch and Rex Armstrong versus um, Fabio Romano, Karim Brigante, and uh, Monica, Miss Monica, and we did a um, a Christmas chaos match and. Uh, the finish of it may have been uh, someone shoving a small Christmas tree where the sun don't, don't shine on Fabio. <laughs> of course. Of course. Followed, by a, followed by a pile driver um, all over um, spaghetti because obviously like they were Italians Absolutely. therefore they wanted to use uh, spaghetti. And the thing is like it was their idea to use spaghetti as a weapon. Which is like, Brilliant. cool, let's do it. I appreciate that uh, I'm not going to be accused of uh, any any kind of like insensibility just out of it. So thank you very much for bringing that to the table, guys. That's yeah, good. I mean, I got, I, got, I, mean, I got powerbombed on some poppadoms once. Um, and it was one of the most painful things I've ever experienced in wrestling. Because um, they just, poppadoms are all like obviously sharp and crispy. Um, so yeah, that really hurt. But, but I think that was a Christmas theme show as well, actually. It, it, it sounds like it would be. Yeah, it, that was in Chatham as well, actually. If 
funny enough, funny you should mention that. Uh, it was one of the old Captain Tin shows in Chatham. Um, yeah, and I, I, I wrestled a guy called Omar Ibrahim, and we did uh, Christmas, Christmas, something like, something like a Christmas Carol match, and there were like four, there were four Christmas oh, bags for in the corner of the, each corner of the ring, and whoever got to the bag, each bag first, could use what was ever inside them. Um, and one of the bags contained a load of ethnic foods. Um, so I remember being chopped with a pit of bread, um, taking a pebble and popping on, throwing chili spice at the other guy, that kind of thing. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous when I say it now, but obviously it was awesome at the time. <laughs> That's a bit of what wrestling is, though, isn't it? Like, I think that um, we sometimes don't have uh, that notion, or maybe some fans sometimes don't have that notion, which is like, wrestling is gonna... Um, wrestling, like... I know there's the serious wrestling that we used to follow and stuff, but when you're uh, wrestling for a certain audience, they want um, a little bit. Uh, it doesn't doesn't not everything has to be a joke, right? You're not going to present everything that way, but you no. can bring a bit of like um, a, a lighter side to it. So if nothing else, some people can relate to it better, right? Not everyone that goes to a wrestling show. It's, it's weird. Like you will have people in wrestling shows that are like going with a family and stuff, and they do not are not attracted to the the violent spectacle that we're putting up right but if you can make them relate with certain elements like that one for example at least they will have one thing that will ease them into wrestling and they can, they can then start appreciating everything else yeah i mean I've, i mean i i've likened uh, said it so many times i think you know wrestling is a bit like the circus um if you like acrobats there's the acrobats. If you like the lion tamer, there's the lion tamer. If you like, um, I don't know, uh, the clowns, there'll be something that, you know, so there, there should, mm-hmm. I think on a wrestling show, there should be a little bit of something for So, you know, you can present different things and everybody should walk away having a good time because they've, they've experienced something they like. If you, you just did a show of like the same kind of match the whole way through, I think obviously that, you know, that'd be very dull and repetitive. So I think it's nice to, to have that balance in there. Have a bit of variation. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, How's um how's it been without wrestling uh, in your life? How how has lockdown been for you? What have you what have you been up to? It was really weird at first, actually, um, just because like I think the last show I did uh, was I think it was like March the tenth, which was obviously right before like ten days before we hit lockdown. Um, but to be honest, I didn't really because obviously working in a school and leading a school, I didn't really have time to think about wrestling because. Um, of everything that went on with schools um, yeah. in that time. So obviously from the 20th of March, we, we went into lockdown, we went into school closures. Um, so I was thinking about, right, okay, so how are we going to, you know, in what way are we going to run the school? How are we going to keep in contact with children? How are we going to support online learning? How are we going to support families who need us? You know, there was so much going on at that point that I was, in a way, I was quite glad that I, I, I didn't have to think about wrestling or wrestling kind of faded into the background, if you will, at that time, because there was just so much that needed dealing with as a school leader. And particularly since we were thrust into a, a situation where even the wisest of, of school leaders, and, you know, I, I'm quite lucky that I'm in a network of very, very strong school leaders, that none of them really had answers on the spot because none of them have had to go through it. So, like, you know, we're talking head teachers of 20 years experience but you know they've never been for a global pandemic so even they were like well i'm not sure what to do in this situation because we've never had to deal with it so i think having that um occupied an awful lot of my time um so yeah so i didn't really have much of a chance to to, to, to think too much about wrestling because i was just so involved with, with, with work 
it's such a um, a hard thing for for everybody. It's just that, that uncertainty that you 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 were talking about, um, and obviously, like it's it's a good thing that um, you were able uh, to to be like financially stable throughout all of this. I was able to to get that as well, which is good. Uh, so I can complain, and I can only imagine how hard it would be for for other people to to go through that. And at the same time, like you're saying, it's like what do you do? What can you do? When is he going to stop and come back? Like it's a bit mm. uncertain at this time. So you just try to do your best with, uh, with what you can. And I thought, I think that's, um, that's what you did. I guess like another thing, like it worked for me as well. The idea of like, I started doing more stuff to occupy, uh, my free time, which was a lot. And this, this podcast is one of the things that I, that I started. I think it was mm. good for you to as well. Like you have something to focus and target, uh, like a, a, prop, a proper issue to solve as opposed to being, in that status of like now what now where are we going um, yeah i mean I, th I think it was such a hard time for such a lot of people um i mean my brother i'll give my, my brother an example he is a professional musician so he's a guitarist um, yeah and he he guitars for kim wilde and obviously they were literally a week a week or two weeks off like a three-month tour of europe and obviously that was just dashed within days that entire tour was dashed um and he effectively was out of work um so he, he's adapted and he's, he's now doing online guitar tuition for the time being until mm -hmm. such time as you know gigs and things can go on again um and he could start picking up i mean he does some other things as well so he, he managed to keep you know keep things going but um to see it happen to someone quite close was really it was quite distressing at first really um and i think you're right i think i think one thing that kind of really has come out of the whole lockdown thing is, is creativity, particularly online. And I know it's quite funny, like, um, I know a lot of people will, like slag off TikTok and things like that and say, oh, you know, it's a thing for children. And I think, I think like the, the amount of adults who actually got on TikTok during the lockdown and actually really had fun with it and really enjoyed it and, you know, really got a kick out of it was, was quite incredible. And it's really creative stuff on TikTok as well. Um, so it's little things like that, and then obviously a lot of people, you know, got in, got into some other things. They tried. I think people gave people a chance to try out things they'd never done before, um, and do some new things they'd always wanted to do. So, you know, if you try to dig down and try to pull some positives out of the whole COVID lockdown situation, you can see some. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of great examples of that and people around um, me that I know. And some people even like conversations I had with them here on the, the podcast where they say exactly that. It was just a good opportunity to uh, get projects going, to learn some stuff, all right? I know people are like learning Japanese, right? Um, I focused a little bit. One of the things that I focused on was uh, learning about uh, like training in a gym and weightlifting and exactly what to do because like there's so much free time. Might as well try and uh, do something productive with it. So uh, we're ready for it when it uh, when it comes back. When, when yeah. things do come back, you know. Um, another, I think another thing that uh, I like to to ask you about, right, is which is something that's very dear to you. Is just like how um, you are are you like how you. Uh, What's the word the way you use this? This must be great radio. <laughs> how do you express? There we go. Express like your origins and how proud you are uh, through wrestling, right? In the beginning, you were going for um, an, an Indian presentation and gimmick, right? There's even like a great entrance from from Progress um, that has exactly that. And then lately, you've been very open with like going for um, like 
your your Caribbean origins as well. Um, did you feel when you started that you had to kind of uh, limit yourself to a certain presentation because that's what the general public wanted? And now more and more, you know that people will will take you for what you want to be as opposed to have to fit a certain, uh, well, let's call it stereotype. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I was discussing this recently um, about sort of stereotypes and characters like that and how, you know, we, we, we you, you see, I think you're seeing that less and less now, thankfully, in wrestling, whereas I think in the past, you know, you really had to, there was a lot of those kind of foreign heel gimmicks and things like that, which were kind of very blatantly obvious and very, and they were always very pro their country and anti, you know, UK or anti-America, that kind of character, um, which... I think now in 2020, you just would not see that again. I don't think you'll ever see that kind of character. Um, But, you know, and you see a lot of wrestlers who start off that way, who are now sort of evolving out of it. So I think, think, you know, I was talking about um, uh, Rohit Raju slash Hakim Zayn. um, And he sort of was doing that as an impact wrestling. He was doing the Desi Hit Squad. And they were all this kind of very overtly Indian um, uh, group, a a stable. And now, because of COVID-19, um, a lot of the stable can't do the impact taping, but Rohit Raja has still managed to do it. So he's now struck out on his own, and he's kind of not completely dropped it because, you know, he's still, that is still part of his character, but it's not as overtly ethnic, if you will, you know, if that's the right word to use. Um, mm-hmm. his, his, whole ca- he, he's, his whole presentation doesn't just depend on that anymore. And uh, I, I mean, I'm a massive fan of him. I think he's phenomenal anyway. Um, and I think when I first did that kind of Bollywood character. It was kind of it was something to be distinct and something to really stand out because no one else was doing it. So, you know, I very much tapped into that. Um, I mean and just to clarify for anyone listening, I'm like my I'm very, very, very mixed heritage. Uh, my mum's Indian Caribbean from Trinidad and uh, from Trinidad. Uh, and my dad's from like Norwich with Welsh heritage as well. So um, you know, um, I am very, very, you know, I do have a very mixed background. So but I think the, 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 the kind of the Bollywood character was very much about getting myself noticed and about having a gimmick that was kind of instantly recognisable, both as a, as a face and a heel and things like that. Uh, but then I, I think it's like a lot of things that kind of runs its natural course. And, you know, anybody who watches wrestling for a period of at least 10 years, you will see people change their personas over those years to change and adapt. I mean, you know, of course, Chris Jericho being the greatest example of them all who's managed to change his persona so many times and do it really effectively. Um, so not many people see that kind of same persona throughout their entire wrestling career. And that's a, um, that's a good thing as well. Oh, absolutely. And I think it keeps you fresh. And I think when I did it, because I, mean, I think I started doing it in like 2007, 2008, and it served its purposes really well, all the way up until like 2014, um, when I kind of had that retirement match. And like I did do, as you mentioned earlier, you know, I did do that big, Bollywood entrance of progress and things like that. And that kind of was actually what capped it off. That was kind of the, the, the final chapter, I suppose, of that of that element of um, of my wrestling persona there. Um, and from that point on, I kind of dropped it quite subtly. You know, well, subtly, some might say subtly, some might not say subtly. Uh, I kind of dropped it really after that point. Um, I stopped doing the Bollywood dream, really. Um, and, yeah, and then obviously in more recent years, I've kind of, you know, um, kind of really attributed to my mum, really. It's just kind of, tapped into more of that sort of talking about the Caribbean side of my of my heritage as well and paying a bit more tribute to that too so um, well, because, like, you know, yeah it kind of just felt like a progression to go from one to the other if uh, and also like if you didn't do something like that she would come and hit you with um, 
with a wooden spoon. With the wooden spoon, absolutely. Every, you know, I, I feel like this. I've, I've accidentally really mean to my mum, and she's become a bit of a cult figure now. Her, <laughs> her and her wooden spoon has now become a real, yeah, become a cult character. Um, one of the the places where we, where I've seen you uh, wrestle, and I like for a while wanted to wrestle as well, uh, because I just think it's a beautiful venue and a great crowd is um, at the Mecca in Swindon. Mm. Uh, and I finally got to to wrestle there. Uh, let's not talk about what happened the first time I wrestled there. Uh, but, okay, but the second time was great. I love that place. Um, you've been the mainstay for like for FW for a while. Uh, yeah. There. And, yeah, uh, and it's just like it's it's this this weird hidden gem. There's a there's so many of them in 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 wrestling and in a country, right? But this one is this weird hidden gem in um in 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 that part of the country. It's a beautiful venue. The production is great. The wrestling is really good, right? And like no one knows about it. It's incredible. I, I really love um, wrestling there. Every time I I get to to wrestle there, hopefully I'll be able to like wrestle with you one day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Fort W really, as you said, it's a real hidden gem. Um, I think it, had, it used to have a bit more of an online presence in, presence in the past, um, whereas I, I, they, you know they don't really focus on the online community now. They just focus on Swindon and drawing people to Swindon. And uh, but they had some amazing names. Like, I mean, I've I've been sort of with them for about five years now. Um, I got brought in in 2015 to work as a manager, and then. Slowly, slowly, I kind of got back in the ring with them. They were kind of one of the first companies I got back in the ring for um, after taking my my break. And um, yeah, they, I mean, I'm just trying to think of some of the names. I mean, they had they had Alberto Del Rio versus Rey Mysterio there, which was, I mean, the whole place was packed out, like really solidly packed out. They had John Morrison. Uh, they had the Million Dollar Man there, who's one of my favourite moments. He's being, I was given the Million Dollar Dream by Ted DiBiase, which is one of my absolute highlights of my entire life. Um, um, what else? Who else they've had there? Um, I mentioned Kenny Omega, which was a huge, huge thing. And that this was um, there was I, I mean I, I don't know the details. There was an issue with Cody Rhodes, so they'd advertised Cody Rhodes. He dropped out twice. Um, and I don't know. I don't know the details, so I couldn't tell you that. But kind of the last minute um, in 27 January of 2017, because Forest um, W had used Omega back years ago when Omega wasn't really well known. Uh, over here in England for 4 w um, they'd stayed in contact and so literally like, at the drop of a hat Omega was like yep I can be there I can come so like they lost Cody Rhodes which was a massive blow to the promotion but they managed to snag um, uh, Kenny Omega which was on which was like this was like weeks removed from that really like you know that didn't he have like an amazing match at Wrestle Kingdom with Okada or something like that it was, like there. It was the main yeah. event uh, of Wrestle Kingdom uh, with Okada the first match that's it. And I think, anyway, I think it was that, wasn't it? That that kind of around that time, and they and like Omega's contract had come to an end, and they weren't sure what he was going to do next, like where where he was going next, and what have you as well. So there was a massive buzz around Omega. So to get him in front of him was massive as well. Um, a couple of years ago, they had uh, Drago versus uh, Pentagon Junior as well. Um, just before Pentagon Junior got really, really, ma- you know, really, really got massive. Um, Low key was there a couple of years ago with Mark Haskins. So they've had like the real who, the real who's who of um, independent wrestling has come through W's doors. Um, and like I said, they, they you know the shows are tremendous. The crowd are really responsive. The venue, as you said, is absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, and so Love I'm it. really proud. I'm really proud to be one of the one of one of, one of the players up there in, in, in W because it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's such a tremendous promotion. It doesn't it doesn't like I said, it doesn't have a massive online buzz, but I think anyone who's W and visited 
W, you can just you can just see how amazing it is. Well, we're almost out of time. I just want to ask you one last thing. Um, what um, when wrestling's back? What are you planning on doing? What's the first thing you're going to do, or what are you going to have in mind? Um, I think, I mean, I think it's Forest W. You'll see me back probably back at Forest W. Um, I've kind of made a conscious decision to not wrestle until 2021. Um, so, you know, personally, I, I, this is, and this is just my personal perspective. I don't think British wrestling is ready to be back anytime this year. I think from a safety standpoint, I think from you know the COVID 19, I think a lot of things that had happened during speaking out. Um, and you combine all those things together, and I don't think wrestling should really be back until 2021 because I think there's so much to consider uh, and put in place for everybody's safety. So, uh, personally, I've kind of made a pledge to myself that I'm not going to be back in a ring until 2021, um, but I imagine I will be straight into a Fort W show. Um, so, they have one scheduled for January of 2021, so hopefully that'll be, uh, that'll be the first time I'm back. It's called Dave and Find Out. How Absolutely. can people follow you, RJ? <laughs> Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, which is at RJ Singh is King uh, on Twitter, uh, and I have a slight different, slightly different Instagram because that name is taken up already on Instagram. So it's King RJ Singh on Instagram, um, which at the moment there's not a lot of wrestling going on on my Instagram, it's more just <laughs> videos and pictures of my daughter being silly. So yeah, but uh, don't don't let that stop you from following me there. She likes to um, she likes the rain. She likes to dance in the rain. She likes dancing. Likes yeah. child, child is not afraid of the rain. Let me tell you that. RJ, thanks so much, man. No problem. That was lovely. It was great catching up with RJ. He's one of the nicest people that I've met here in wrestling, or anywhere in wrestling. He's so thoughtful. He is very good with both being there for you when you need it and giving you great uh, opinions and, and help on, in your own development. He's just been great. Had nothing but great experiences with him. And this conversation is exactly one of them. One of the things that I wanted to make sure is that I would bring his experience back here on the podcast for a Learn the Ropes edition. And that's exactly what I'm going to do in a few weeks here on the feed. There will be a Learn the Ropes podcast with RJ Singh. Learn the Ropes is uh, kind of like a, a series that I'm making aimed more at professional wrestling trainees and pro wrestlers. But obviously, I'm sure that even if you never train wrestling in your life, you'll be able to get something out of it. So that will be coming in the next few weeks. The best way to be able to listen to it as soon as it comes out is to subscribe and follow the podcast. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, leave me a rating. That'd be very helpful, honestly. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. I'll come back on Thursday with a catch-up with you guys. I'll be here talking up with you guys, telling you what's on my mind. And Saturday, another Learn the Ropes edition here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.